What's the best lie you ever told? Anyone? Best lie you ever told. Was it about a fish you caught? Maybe it was about a game you won. It's funny how you, you play sports in high school and by the time you're in your 40s, you didn't just catch that ball, but you caught it with just the tips of, the, of your fingers or you, you snow combed it if you're a baseball player, just barely got in the glove and they were out. Maybe you used that best lie to get out of a ticket. Hmm. Maybe to get out of an assignment. Maybe your best lie was to get a day or two off of work. (coughs) (laughs) Maybe for you, it was that anniversary that snuck up on you. Sure, I had you a gift. (sighs) I didn't forget. I planned ahead. Maybe you told it to get out of hot water with your spouse or a friend. Maybe your best lie was something like this. I, I call this the Nutella lie. It's probably my favorite lie. Did you see that? She said that, that Nutella was all over her face. Did you get in the Nutella? Huh? Wasn't me. Exodus 20, verse 16 says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now we tend to shorten it down to say, You shall not lie. We remember the Ten Commandments, the first four were showing us how we can relate to God, and the next six are how we should relate to one another. You know, I think in God's eyes, we're all like the Nutella girl when we lie. And before I go any further, I want you to look, look back here at my, at my artwork that I worked so hard on. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I'm preaching. Artwork that I had someone else work hard on. You know, it's funny. We start talking about these things and, and how it's going to come together. And, and we talk about it and we plan it. And then it starts playing out. And a few weeks ago I told you it's, it's the way it is because not everything is black and white. There's a lot of gray in our world. And then today, the day where we're going to talk about lying, and I'm going to get all up in your personal business, your portrait has been added to this picture. The funny thing is, I forgot we were doing that until I walked in and I looked up and I was like, oh, that's great. So as we go through, you shall not lie. As we go through us being the Nutella girl, I want you to look up here. I want you to see yourself. Because that's who that is. That's you. And you may be, you know, we're, we're like that Nutella girl. We look right at God and we're like, nope, I wasn't doing anything. I'm not supposed to do. And here we are with just evidence dripping off our faces, so to speak. It's very clear. And you may be thinking, Okay, but, but what about the people that lied in the Bible? Some, some people lied in the Bible. And you're right, some people did. And some of them were punished. Some of them were, were rewarded for lying. 
wait a minute, that's a double standard. How can God allow one person to lie and, and reward it and then punish somebody else for lying? How, how does that work? I'm glad you brought that up. We're going to talk about that for a second. See, for example, there was a woman named Rahab. And she was a prostitute. She was a liar. And God blessed her. Now, you're absolutely right. In, in Joshua chapter 2, just before Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land, he sent spies into the city of Jericho. And the prostitute Rahab housed these men and helped them to escape. Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 through 6 says this. Read this with me. It says, Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent spies, excuse me, sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot whose name was Rahab and lodged there. It was told, excuse me, it was told the king of Jericho saying, behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the men and hidden them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. Not only did she lie about it being there, but she's like, hey, if you hurry, you could probably catch them. <laughs> she didn't tell us a little lie. She told a big lie. But she had brought them up to her rooftop, and she hid them in stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on her roof. So, so there's lying in the Bible. Rahab is a liar. I'm sure up to this point in her life that that lie may have been one of the best things she'd done. You see, when the authorities asked about the spies, Rahab deceived them and thereby she saved the spies of Joshua. But later, Rahab was honored by God for preserving those men's lives. You see, she knew God's will. His plans for the people of Israel. Therefore, she chose to obey the principles that honor God's will. Her decision to mislead and deceive the leaders of her land as to the whereabouts of the Israelite spies was honored by God. And there are a couple of things we need to understand here. One, people who don't have a relationship with God are going to live their lives differently than you do. That's why we are the called out ones. That's why we are to be examples of Christ to others. That's why you shall not lie. The next thing you need to know here is Rahab is going through a spiritual change in her life. She's lived her life one way up to this point, and she encounters these men of God. And I would imagine that she's been reevaluating a lot of her life choices as she's had these men in her house. Look at what the Bible says. We're going to continue on with verse 8. It says, now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the Lord of the land have melted away before you. She is seeing that in the army. She is seeing that in the 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 people who are living there. And verse 10 says, for we have heard from we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what, what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. See, God's speaking to her. 
She says, when we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. See, she's having a spiritual change. She's seeing something important here. Now, therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land, that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. And they told Rahab, they said, now here's what you're going to do. We're going to give you this scarlet cord, and you're going to tie it on your window. And as long as you stay put, when siege comes, because you're right, siege is coming to this land. And when it comes, it's going to be intense. And when it happens... You and your family stay right here. You stay right where I've set you. And then no one will come into your house. No one will harm you because you've saved our lives. God honored her. One of my favorite things about Rahab, when you look at the genealogy of Jesus, she is related to him. You see, here's the thing. Every one of us at some point in our lives is like Rahab the prostitute. We need to decide if we're going to continue to seeking to please ourselves. Or if we're going to begin to please the Lord with how we live our lives. And it begins with honesty. Like the song said, if we're honest. So I want you to do something. I want you to look up here. Everybody look up here. Right up here at your picture. Look at yourself honestly. And then say to yourself, you can say this out loud to yourself because there's your picture. It's like looking in the mirror looks exactly like you. I want you to say this. Say, it's time for you, it's time for me to start telling you the truth. Say that to yourself. It's time for me to start telling you the truth. Say that one more time like you mean it. It's time for me to start telling you the truth. Say that. It's time for me to start telling you the truth. Folks, the Bible says you shall not lie. Not to one another. Not to yourself. Not to God. See, that's the problem. We start, that's what we do a lot. We lie to ourselves. Someone gave me a book recently, and it's called Telling Yourself the Truth. I was like, yeah, it's a good book. But we have to start. This whole not lying thing starts by not lying to ourselves. We are the called out ones. As a reflection of Christ in this world, we need to be trustworthy. We need to maintain integrity by being honest. You see, lying has many forms. You may think, well, I don't lie to myself much. Lying has many forms. It could take on the form of gossip. It could take on the form of false accusations. It takes on the form of blame. Maybe you're blaming yourself for something that had nothing to do with you. Sometimes we think too much of ourselves in that same sense. Lying takes on the form of self-deceit. You see, it's important to keep promises. It's important to be responsible. It's important to be responsible to the commitments that we make. The sad truth of life is simple. Liars can't be trusted. And even when a liar tells the truth, he or she may not be believed. You see, lying only deceives others. Not only deceives others, but it deceives God. And we deceive ourselves. And the Bible forbids attempting to deceive God. You shall not lie. The Bible says that in Proverbs 30, verse 8, that the wise keep all falsehoods and lies far from them. The Bible also says that God hates a lying tongue and delights in those who tell the truth. 
It's Proverbs 12, 12. And in Proverbs 16, 13, it's probably one of my favorite ones. It says, those who speak the truth are valued by kings. I think that's impressive. And the king I want to be valued by is God, by the way. Those who speak the truth are valued by kings. But as we talk about lying, I think one of the most grim stories about lying, and this is just my humble opinion, is the story about Ananias and Sapphira. It's in Acts chapter 5. You can go ahead and turn there. Maybe make a note about it. As you're turning there, um, I just want to share with you a couple things. It happened in the early church. And, and, and one of the things in the book of Acts, it says that as there was a need, what would people do? They would, they would sell their property. They would meet the need. They met each other's needs in the early church. I was like, yeah, go church. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. I said, what would it look like if everybody did that? And y'all said, amen. And I said, bring your car keys up and leave them here for the elders to sell your car and do as the church needs done with it. And nobody said no. So y'all walked out without doing that. But that's between you and God. I can't. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sidetracked. Early church, people are selling their property. They're meeting needs. The, the Bible says as they did that, they grew exponentially. And then this man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira, they sold some property and they came in and they said, hey, here's all the money. Ananias came first by himself. That's the first problem. She shouldn't have let him out of the house without supervision. Uh, Sorry, Bible doesn't say that. I just Ananias comes in and he brings this money. He says, hey, here's the money from the sale of our property. And he is asked, is this all of the money? He said, yep. Sure is. Boom. Fell dead right there. Young men came and took him out. Buried him. They come back in. And as they're coming in, the Bible says that Sapphira, his wife, comes in. Says, hey, we sold all our property. Did you hear? Yeah, good job. Is, Is the money that Ananias brought, is that all of the money that was brought? Is that all of the money from the sale of your property? She said, yep, sure was. I don't know how long it took, but I'd like to think there was a dramatic pause. And she was asked, she said, they said, you know, the men who took your husband out have just come back. And now they're going to take you. And she died right there on the spot. And they took her out and they buried her. I told you this was a grim story about lying. See, lying has consequences. They, they lied to themselves. They lied to God. They lied to the Holy Spirit. I want to read this to you because I know I kind of embellish things. But Acts chapter 5 verse 1 says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. See, I told you they sold a piece of property. And kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. So they both knew. This kind of reminds you of another story. Side note. Um, a young couple known as Adam and Eve. Yeah, they did kind of a similar thing. They both knew what they were doing, but then kind of went sideways when they got caught. But he kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? 
And after it was sold, was, not, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard of it. I'll bet. Verse 6 says, The young men got up and covered him, and after carrying him out, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last, and the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Verse 11 says and again, And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. Now, if you've got this looking up, you can skip down a few verses. You can also see that people also continued to bring sick and others to the apostles to heal them and to care. So this wasn't necessarily a fear of I'm never going to church again because people are dropping like flies. It was a reverence. They knew the Holy Spirit was there. They knew God was there. They knew Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Lord. And I want to point this out to you that this death sentence for this couple had nothing to do with the amount of money that they wanted to give to the church. It had nothing to do with that. It would not have mattered if they decided to keep some of the money for themselves, which they did. That wasn't the issue. The Apostle Peter even said they were free to keep some of the money. He said, the land was yours to begin with. And even when you sold it, you were in control of that money. The sin, the problem was they showed up and they lied about their gift. This is everything that we got for the sale of the property. This is the entire amount. They lied to the Holy Spirit. Their lie resulted in immediate death by the hand of God. It's not what we bring to the Lord that matters as much as how we bring it to the Lord. Some of you came here this morning like Ananias and Sapphira. You're like, whoa, wait a minute now. But it's true. You woke up. You got all dressed up. You walked in here just to look people in the eye and lie to them. There you are right there. I see you doing it. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Can't you see? I'm all polished up. Got my Bible. Got everything I need. I'm looking good on the outside. Feeling good. We justify the Sunday morning lie. Oh, fake it till you make it. It's something we've adopted from our world. If I pretend to be fine, if I look like I have it all together, eventually I will be. If I can just convince everyone else I'm good, then maybe I can convince myself that I'm okay. It'll be all right. Brothers and sisters, it's time to stop lying to yourselves. It's time to stop lying to each other. It's time to stop lying to God. We will never connect with each other in any way that honors God if we never actually tell each other the truth. Spoiler alert. I know you guys. I talk to almost all of you throughout the week. I know you're messed up. I say that in love. But it's true. 
We're all messed up in some way. Here's the thing about lying. Jesus said that the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up in him. I don't want evil stored up in me. In Matthew 12, 35-37, Jesus also says, But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted... And by your words, you will be condemned. Do you really want to be condemned because you were too proud to say to your brother or sister in Christ, I'm having a rough week. Do you want that to come against you? Jesus said, by your words, you'll be acquitted. That you will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word you've spoken. My kid's been sick. My boss is being a jerk. My bosses are amazing, by the way. You realize where we were. They're out there listening. We all will stand for a moment before God for accountability of how we've spoken. Have we bared false witness to one another? Are you lying to yourself? Are you lying to your spouse? Are you lying to your boss? Are you lying to your wife? Are you lying to God? Maybe the next time somebody asks you how you're doing, you need to just say, hey, we had an unexpected issue. We went over our budget a little bit in order to deal with it, but it's okay. You know, one of the things I say when somebody asks me how I'm doing, who, let's see who knows me. When somebody says, how are you doing today? What's the first thing I usually say? Somebody pointed this out to me yesterday. No takers? I haven't gotten in trouble yet. It's usually true. <laughs> Somebody pointed it out to me. They're like, every time I hear somebody that, that you're somewhere and someone says, how are you doing today? You say, well, I haven't gotten in trouble yet today. The reality is that's the same thing as me saying, oh, I'm doing just fine. I say it because for some reason I'm convinced that people can't handle the truth. It's like, that. you can't handle the truth. I'm the preacher. I'm always supposed to be doing okay. No, I walk with God. I'm supposed to be doing better than Okay. But the reality is, I'm writing this message and I remember in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. And that's what I want. Truth. I hope that you want truth as well because that's what you're going to get here. I'll go first. Ask me how I'm doing today. Oh, I haven't gotten in trouble yet. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. I did. I just got in trouble. Elders are writing that down. Smart Alec. I tell you, I'm stressed. I'm tired. I'm out of shape. In case you couldn't see the obvious. A lot of things going on in my world. We're moving into a new house. That's awesome. It's an amazing thing and it's exciting. But then there's band on Friday night of the football game. And then the yard sale on Saturday. And in the next three Saturdays in October, Dylan's got a band competition somewhere, either in Alabama or Tennessee. Don't ask me where, because I'm just supposed to get on the bus and go. These aren't bad things, but they're busy things. 
And really, instead of me going, I haven't gotten in trouble yet, Lorna. I need to say what I just said. I'm a little bit tired. There's, there's nothing negative in our life right now, except there's a lot on our plate. Mitzi and I, in June, coming back from vacation, we started getting some news that some things were shifting in our world that we didn't have any change, we didn't have any control over. And we had a conversation that was kind of like this. Well, I guess this is going to be the year <laughs> that we're just going to have to go with the flow. We're going to have to just work things through. None of it was really negative. It was just things that weren't expected, things we didn't have a control on. You see, in a moment of transparency, there's always things going on. And I may say I haven't gotten in trouble yet, but there is always the possibility for it when I just leave it there. Because that's kind of like a little band-aid. Well, I haven't gotten in trouble yet, and I try to to leave behind the fact that, well, I'm going to be really busy tomorrow, when instead I should say, well, i got a busy week coming, and if you'd be praying for us tomorrow, that'd be great. Or Dylan's got a doctor's appointment. If you'd be praying for us, that'd be great. Or Mitzi's got a stressful week at doing some presentations. If you'd pray for us, that'd be great. But we don't do that. We just go with... I'm okay. Look at me. I'm all dressed up and looking good. We need to understand that being honest is not a show of weakness. It's not a saying that you're stressed about something, saying that you're depressed or sad, saying that you have some anxiety about something that's coming your way is not a show of weakness. Especially when you do it within a Christian circle because it's a show of strength to the devil that he needs to get off your back. Yes, sir. Because you got people that are going to be praying for you. It's a way of connecting with the people you're worshiping with every week. And by the way, we do have a good plan for moving this week and for getting things done. And so when I, people have asked me that, I'm like, no, we've got it. We really do. I wasn't lying about that. Okay. We, we have a good thing. We're set up. But the bottom line, folks, is this. God is truth. He values honesty. You see, truth-telling makes for a functional and and a good, solid Christian society. People who tell the truth can be trusted. When you tell the truth, you develop this sensitive application of honesty, and truth nurtures your relationships. It helps foster communities that are functional, that are enriching, that are reflective of Christ's love. And as always, it goes back to number one. You shall have no other gods before me. You see, when we lie, whether to ourselves or to others, excuse me, or to God, we're putting ourselves before God. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. You're lying. You just told God you don't need his help to get through whatever it is that you're too proud to tell somebody you need some help getting through. We're trying to change the reality by lying about it rather than taking the reality to God and saying, Father, could you help me with this? Or saying to our Christian family, Brother, sister, would you pray about this for me? Would you petition God on my behalf? Because you know what? I don't need to carry this burden alone. No, it can't be too small or too big. It's not yours to carry on your own. We were created for relationship. We were created for community. We were created for connection. Think about that as we stand and do our Ten Commandments responsive reading this morning. No... Hey, thanks for being truthful. Stand anyways.
Um, <laughs> I got this, though. Hold on. We're going to do this on the fly. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, what you're going to say back is going to be hard. Say, you too. Yeah. None of us should. It's, see, if God's word has encouraged you in any way this morning, I would like to think that you found some encouragement, one, by seeing yourself up there, and two, by looking around this room and knowing that you're not the only one that's a little messed up. Or it struggles with something. <laughs> you are correct. You haven't gotten in trouble yet. <laughs> but I can tell you, that'll only get you so far. <laughs> From experience. <laughs> As we come into our response time, though, think about this last week. Think about the things you said. Think about maybe the lie you've said to yourself or the lie... You said to God, or maybe you did have a false testimony about someone at work. Maybe there is gossip that's happened in your circle, in your network. And maybe right now it's just time to leave that behind. The only way we can move forward and be a reflection of Christ is to use the Ten Commandments. They were good then, and they're just as solid now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Will you sing this response song with us? Amen. That's so very true. <clears throat> I have to tell you, it's been great to be here and worship with you all this morning, but now it's time to go. And I also have to tell you that we're not above bribing people to do the Lord's work. And uh, if you so choose to go out and give blood as you go today, we got these ugly shirts that says, I bleed for my team. That one's for <laughs> Bama, I bleed for my team. They don't have one that says for the Miami Hurricane, so I'm not giving blood. But <laughs> seriously, as you go this morning, hopefully you'll go to give blood. Ten people uh, just changes lives, er, is enough blood, I think, for 30 lives. The way that it takes is each unit they get can help, is like three pints of blood, basically, or it can help uh, three, different, three times over, I guess is the right way to say that. So as you go this morning, think about how you could do that if you're able but also go remembering it's difficult to be a reflection of Christ to our world if we choose to lie. Even little tiny ones. God is truth. And we are to reflect his truth in word and in deed. So I want to challenge you to do that as you go this week. Will you sing this last song with us?